When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. The Etihad awaits as Liverpool get ready to get back to the Premier League. We'll be looking forward to Satie's visit to Manchester City and plenty more besides with James Pearce and Simon Hughes. And as ever, let's start with the unprepared Simon Hughes and those three words. Okay, well, I'm anticipating what's going to happen in the next couple of days, so I'm going to go with cheer up, Pep. I don't want to seem cheery at all, ever. (laughs) If that's all right, like, you know what I mean, James? I'm going with proper football back. Yes, yes, we need that. Just glad there's no international break till March now. Let's see what they're saying over at the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Liam Corley, thankfully it's back, agrees with you, James. Jamie Underwood, play with courage. Sean Donoghue, take a point. A point! A point, Sean! Come on! Patrick O'Connor, away win required. Now that's more like it, Patrick, that's more like it. And I'll say the simple, get into them. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. If you would have said, going into the season to me, you know, back in August, you and City will be one and two, and there's a point between you, I would have been quite happy with that. James, would you have been? Oh yeah, 100%. Especially when you consider all the upheaval at Liverpool over the summer and having to rebuild an entire department of the squad effectively. So, yeah, I think uh, it hasn't been perfect, but it was it was never going to be. I think there's been so many promising signs. The firepower that this New York Liverpool have is on a level I don't think we've, we've seen before. And, yeah, of course, there's a few areas of concern, but I think what makes it exciting is City have so far haven't been the same force this season. They've looked vulnerable at times. Same with Arsenal, Tottenham, obviously having a wobble after their excellent start, which you know I, I think that should give Liverpool a lot of hope that, yes, that there's things that need to be addressed. But the fact they're right in the mix, uh, having gone through so many changes, is a huge positive. Sorry, getting to this point in the season has been encouraging. What kind of this game and what follows in the run-up to the, you know, the new year is going to, really set the tone for the season, isn't it? Yeah, I think it will. Although <laughs> there's a temptation that when you get, if you get the other side of Christmas and you're in a good position, you sort of think, oh, you know, it's on. But then you sort of remember City always tend to finish seasons very strongly. And that's but, uh, why we need to give them a beating. I mean, you can look at it two ways, can't you? I, I sort of, I'm, I'm looking at the, the game and I'm frustrated that the kickoff time and the day you know, after an international break, it's, I said last week, neither team will have any rhythm going into the game, really. So I think that's the point. I, I think that there's 
it might not be as entertaining as people want. But, 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 um, but again, we've discussed this before on this podcast. I think this kind of suits us. We don't want as entertaining. Well, it could just want to it kill could, them. It could, <laughs> this is the thing. It could it could suit Liverpool. J- James knows better than me, but the, the, obviously the record after international breaks, you know, they, they tend to start a little bit slowly in terms of the performances, at least. Anyway, but I mean, Liverpool haven't won at City since was it. Was it the first game under Klopp? Is that right? Yeah, right. Other, other, yeah. Other than the Champions League, you know, in the, in the Champions League, so it's been a fair while, and you know, the record at City wasn't that bad pre-Klopp. Strangely, you know, they had they had some some good performances and victories there. I'm uh, not to say that it, it's been bad since, because you've got to remember, you know, what you're up against. You're up against Pep Guardiola, and let's be fair, regardless of any other discussion around it, they have been a brilliant team, you know, successful team, great team to watch. So. I, I, I do think that Liverpool need to get a positive result out of it because it will set the tone over the next few weeks, really. And it's going to be tough, tough going into the Christmas periods and, and over the Christmas periods, as it always is. Liverpool got a lot of big games coming up, so they need to make sure that they, they get a, a reasonably you know positive outcome. It's the shorter stage of the season against the sort of opponent when you really need to, I know this is a cliche, but lay down a little bit of a marker and just say, you know, we are really in the mix this season because if Liverpool win I think it's going to be you know I think people will be saying afterwards that that, uh, that there's a really good chance that Liverpool have well yeah I think so I mean just looking at the table you know I think the you know the big gap between us is 115 charges hang on hang on looking the wrong thing um but you know <laughs> James you do get the feeling that City haven't been the juggernaut they've been in recent seasons I mean you know beaten by Wolves and away at Arsenal. And they've only kept two clean sheets in the last 10 Premier League games, you know. And, I mean, we've got firepower. They're conceding. Ergo, a victory. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a vulnerability there that, that was quite surprising, especially that, I mean, that as amazing a game as it was, the 4-4 against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge before the international break did show that City, you know, aren't, the, the same force certainly as the one that steamroller teams en route to winning the treble last season. And I know under Guardiola, they have had a habit of, of not always flying out the blocks. And then as Simon said, you can, you can think that you're right in the mix and then they rattle off 17, 18 straight wins in the spring. But, you know, I'm sure Klopp would have taken a lot from that, that Chelsea Man City game in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, everyone was saying it was a great advert for the Premier League. I'm sitting there watching on telly going, this is rubbish! <laughs> it was it, that was the biggest thing. Wasn't it? It, it, there was that lack of control that you just don't associate with City. I mean, did they lead three times? I think in that game, and they, you know they end up getting pegged back, and they are missing some some big names, aren't they? I mean, I th- you know, I, I think Gundogan is a big miss for them, having lost him at the back end of the last season. Obviously, De Bruyne out into the new year. I, I believe John Stones has missed a lot of games as well, and we know how important he is. You know, effectively playing a similar role that Trent Alexander-Arnold plays for Liverpool in terms of stepping into that midfield area. So, yeah, I think being brave, I think, is going to be a, a vital quality for Liverpool on the weekend because I think Chelsea showed that if you play with real intensity and you shut them down, you can force mistakes at one end. And then if you're brave in possession and you can beat the press and play through them, then we know Liverpool have got the players to hurt them with the space in behind. We're just hoping that all the South American boys come back and get enough rest and and are ready to, ready to go because, you know, I want to see a, a resurgent Darwin Nunes, you know, hurtling into that space behind City's back line. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one to call, I think, because it it does feel wrong that it's being played straight after an international break at twelve thirty. Because I think it does it will affect the quality of the game between, for me, the two best sides in the Premier League. Just touch on what James says. I I I, I, I agree. When Liverpool have had the good results, King City they've gone after them, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Really. So I, I I know you said before it's only it's sort of. It might occasion a game might might help, but I just don't think that's in Klopp's nature or or it hasn't been in Liverpool's nature over the last five years, and that's what concerns me. It's like they they, they need to have that confidence and that rhythm to really go for them. And when they've done that, you know they've been successful, you know more successful than any opponent City have faced in that period. So that's where my concern is. And equally, as you say, the away the away form. I mean. The thing is, I mean, everybody sort of has a laugh and a joke about the Etihad, you know, being, you know, sort of the atmosphere not being great. But when Liverpool go, it is, it is pretty, um, it can be pretty intense. Yeah, you know, definitely. It, it's, it's, it's been, you know, on occasion, you know, brilliant, you know, some of the atmospheres in, in, in the stadium, particularly the night games, as you say, something like that. There's lots of things at play here. And I, I, I just think if Liverpool start on the front foot, they might, they might have a bit of joy because as, as we discussed, their form isn't great. The thing is with City, they always have had weaknesses all the way through the period, but the problem is that the individual quality of the players and then the, the way the team is set up, it's very difficult to expose those weaknesses. So I'm, I'm sure uh, Klopp will have watched the video of that Chelsea game and be trying to figure out exactly where you try and attack them and overload in those areas because um, in the past Liverpool have had joy against them, and I, I think that if they if they really go for it, they, they might they might have a they have a decent chance of getting a good result. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com Listen, I don't know if you can respect me but he has to know that I respect him a lot He made me a better manager um, since the site in, in Germany with Bayern in Dortmund and here and, and I think his teams always, they are positive, they are aggressive, they want to score goals, they want to attack. And, and I try to imitate him in that sense. So we try to do it. And I think our relation, we are not friends because we don't see each other. We don't never dinner together, well, dinner together one day in the Hall of Fame, but we don't lunch together. I don't have, yeah, I have his telephone number, but I don't call him. So, but um, I have a lot of respect, but he knows. Next Saturday, I'm going to try to beat him. Well, the club... Guardiola battle has been one of the, you know, it's been one of the big teams of the past five years, hasn't it? I mean, obviously, it's they've had twenty eight meetings between the pair, and the most common opponent for both manager. And Jurgen's got the upper hand with twelve wins in twenty eight meetings. That's not too bad. Guardiola eleven and five draws. It's close, isn't it? I mean, so does that include in Germany as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, the next most defeats Guardiola's faced by a manager seven, which is. Jose Mourinho of all people, very, very different characters. But I mean, the Klopp Guardiola showdown, James, is um, it hasn't quite reached the levels of vindictiveness and hatred of some of the other, you know, I mean, Wenger and Ferguson, but still being pretty, pretty intense, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, they they both at pains, aren't they, when they when they do speak to the media that that they there's a there's a mutual respect there. I think you know, obviously, you're not going to be you're not going to be friends when you're when you're going head to head like they they have done uh, for so long. But um, I think you you can also sense that you know you know uh, yes, there's some respect, but there's also 
that fire burning in inside of both of them that they, they absolutely love putting one over the other and and that you know they, sometimes they can't hide that can they you know you you think back to some of the comments that both of them have made obviously Klopp riled City with his comments last season about you know we can't do what City do you know there's there's three clubs in world football that can pretty much do whatever they want and you know and and, and Guardiola has said had said certain things as well that have that's kind of rubbed Liverpool and, and Klopp up the wrong way so it's just a really interesting dynamic because you right, I think Klopp has found a way to beat City I think the biggest problem on Liverpool's last visit to the Etihad back in April, when that was a pretty miserable 4-1 defeat, was he just didn't have the personnel to carry out a game plan to kind of get at City's weaknesses and, and try and nullify their strengths. Because you know Liverpool's midfield that day was completely outrun and outclassed. And so I think that's going to be interesting. That you know That is going to be such a key area on the weekend, because now Liverpool have got a midfield that can run, they can fight, they can shut down space and block passing lanes and they can create as well. So I think um, is it, there'll be a different dynamic to this one. Both of them are very fiery, say, you know, and they're um, very passionate on the sidelines and, and go off on one frequently. I mean, I remember in the uh, we were talking about the Champions League game the uh, at the Etihad, the quarterfinal, when uh, Pep got sent off at half-time and, um, and City self-destructed, which was brilliant. But, I mean, in terms of the standards these two fellas have produced over the past five years, I've just been... Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been watching football a long time. I think it's 270 years or something. And, like, I didn't think I'd see that level maintained consistently for so long. Yeah, I mean, uh, all I can say is that the Klopp team is the best Liverpool team that I've seen in my lifetime. And the Guardiola team that he's uh, built at City is the best opponent that I've seen. I can understand the conversation about Alex Ferguson and United over a long period of time. But maybe I just judge things a little bit too much through the performances against Liverpool. I always used to think that United invariably will come to United to Anfield, stick five in midfield, and just try and get a win, try and get a, a draw if they were lucky. You know, they were very conservative under Ferguson, largely at Anfield. And sometimes they would be at Old Trafford as well because of the sense of the occasion. Whereas some of the Wenger teams that came to, to Anfield and, and passed Liverpool off the park at Highbury were very good, but it was a much shorter period of time, really, mm. I, I would say. Whereas, you know what? We're into what? What year are we into? We're seven or eight now, aren't we? Between these two, I know Liverpool have had a few dips in that in that period, but by and large, I'd, I'd love to sort of go through the games again and sort of assess really the the, the number of outstanding games. There've been games around Liverpool of, of sort of as a result, you know, looking at the results, steamrolled City, but City have actually played well in the game as well. You know, remember when Liverpool beat them um, in the season they won the league at Anfield City were, were very very good you know it was a 3-1 that game I think yeah right saying that Liverpool were 3-0 up but second half City really gave them a going over so even in, in those sort of games particularly when City Liverpool won convincingly City have still posed a threat I would say maybe not so much the other way around the, the two best modern ma- managers of this period anyway I would say with, with the, and there's, there's a, a host of managers, maybe on, in the in the sort of the tier just below. I know we have the discussion about City and the, the money that the Guardiola spent, but I still think you you know you can still admire the structure that he puts into the team and the discipline that they play with and the way they play and 
the allowance for individual creativity within that team. Um, I mean, I think Liverpool are, are, are obviously play very, slightly different, very different football, but for Liverpool to put up a, a fight against that and, and often come out on top, as you say, you know, Klopp's results against them over a, you know, over a long, long period of time have been excellent. So it's quite clear to me, you know, that, that Pep Guardiola sees Klopp as a thorn in his side and, you know, there's a sort of very cold respect there. They certainly, I don't get the impression they, they sort of love each other. No, you can't imagine going on the ale together, can you? No, that's, no. no. Who would be better on the ale? That'd be a good... Yeah, Definitely Klopp, I, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think, I think, I'd imagine Klopp can switch off. I don't think Pep does. I, got, I get the impression he spends a lot of time agonizing over everything. So, should we cherish these meetings? Because, you know, it's not that far on the horizon that both managers' contracts are up, Klopp in 26 and Guardiola 25. Do you think either of them will be here after that? Well, I don't think you can overestimate the influence that both managers have had on what we've just spoken about. You know, I know obviously there's there's very good players within the, the framework of that conversation, but the imprints of those two managers are on those teams and both figures are, you know, hugely influential on the clubs uh, behind the scenes and you see that on the pitch. So I, I, I think about this sometimes and I, I can't see an obvious candidate to replace either manager, really. I think they're just so far and away in their own elite level at the moment. It's hard to say who comes in and meets the same levels that they've reached uh, after they're gone. So I was having a discussion with somebody who um, I know covers City and they were sort of talking about Deserby maybe, but I mean, it's a big... I know he's sort of the... He's been, you know, the flavour of the month for about 12 months, hasn't he? But, you know, it's a big jump to sort of meet what the standards that Guardiola has set. And and similarly, you know, I know we've spoken in the past about who who comes in after Klopp. I mean, at the moment, you know, everyone's talking about Alonso, given, you know, what he's he's doing at at Leverkusen, which, you know, a a lot of it will come down to availability and where he's at at that point in in his career, maybe he'll have, gone somewhere else that he, he he doesn't want to or can't get out of at that time. So I, I don't think it's an easy it's it's it, there's no easy answers in what comes next. And I do think that the the regularity of the games between them and the intensity of those games, you, you forget that this has been happening for a long period of time now. And you almost take it for granted really just how when they when they do collide and when the games are as good as they can be, there's nothing really like it. And it'll be very hard for the two succeeding managers to um to recreate that, I think. Yeah, well, I've been told, I was talking to someone connected with City, and I've been told that Abu Dhabi are putting the full weight of the, the Emirates resources on creating an AI version of Pep for the future. That will be scary. That may or may not be true, people. That may or may not be true. <laughs> well, the Etihad, James, why do I feel we've done better there than we've actually done? Because when I look at it, only one win and nine visits since Guardiola arrived. And like, I was like, oh, you know, yeah, we've done all right there. No, we haven't, have we? Yeah, do you know what? It, it's funny, actually. I get exactly the same feeling when I was looking back through the results because it doesn't feel like, you know, it, you, usually when you've had a bad run of results somewhere, you have that sense of trepidation, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. And I think it's probably because some of those results are pretty easily explainable. I mean, obviously there was the, the 5-0 defeat there when Sadio Mane got sent off for the high boot on Edison. What was that really early on? So you almost like, 
good luck trying to compete with the City with 10 for, for as long as they tried had to try and do that day. You know, there was the 4-0 defeat there as well after Liverpool had won the league. I mean, Liverpool had flip-flops on that day. You can't pay any attention to that one. And even even the 2-1 defeat, um, I think 18-19, that was the John Stone's goal line clearance that, you know, was it 11 millimetres, I think it was, from, from crossing the line. And, you know, and of course that, that would have actually ultimately been the difference between Liverpool winning and, and losing the league. And I think you know in that same game, I think Vincent Company wasn't very lucky to stay on the pitch for a challenge on Salah. And you know, and in amongst those results, has been some really creditable draws and and good performances there. And then yeah, the only other defeat was that four one back in April when, as I said earlier on, Liverpool just couldn't compete with City. Didn't have the energy. Didn't have the dynamism. Didn't have the legs. You know that was you know that was a day that really illustrated the demise of Fabinho. Um, Henderson struggled as well, and you know City are you know incredibly strong on home turf. But I, yeah, I still go there with with real hope, and I'm sure I'm sure Klopp will be banging that into his players as well. It's not I don't get the sense there's any kind of like feeling of you know we can't do it at the Etihad because you know this team has proven they can do. James just mentioning that uh, the the 2018-19 game that was one of the the best games I, I think between them. I know Liverpool lost. The game, but they, they were brilliant that night. They were both brilliant. Both teams were just fantastic. It was like they both had each other by the throat all night, and you were just waiting to see who passed out first. Basically, it was such a great game of football. Ultimately, it did prove decisive in 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 that running. You know, City winning the the, the title by such a small small margin. So, yeah, uh, as I alluded to before, I, ju- I just think. It is a much harder place to go to than people think, not just for reasons relating to the, the actual football. You know, it's, it, it can be, it can become quite intimidating when Liverpool go there because I think City have got past Man United quite easily on the pitch, I would say. You know, when when, when City tried, when City were obviously bought out by Abu Dhabi, it would have been United that was seen as the, as the, as the one to, to get past, which um, I can see, understand that from an economical, economic uh, position. But, it's been Liverpool, really, who've been the, the who posed them the most problems o- over a long period of time. You know, go, go back to 2014 as well. You know, the Liverpool nearly won the league then, so that means that when there's a game at Anfield or there's a game at the Etihad, the atmosphere is 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 tense and the fans are ready to pounce on any mistake. You know, it's very yeah, difficult. And, and, and City fans think yeah. it's a real rivalry. It, well, they do. I mean, I know Liverpool fans underplay, and I can understand why because City is still way behind Liverpool in terms of. The historical significance that could change with time, of course. But for for City, City look up to Liverpool still as the, as the ones that they've got to get past to be, you know, or to get near anywhere near to to be sort of the club that's respected across Europe and everything else. I mean, I know there's a lot more to the conversation than that, but I think Liverpool still, despite City's dominance over the last couple of years, Liverpool fans generally still sort of look down a little bit on City. Yeah, without City, City look up like trying to scrap. You know, desperate to scrap the way forward. Basically, it's a great game of football. I really look forward to to these games because I just think Liverpool have been an absolute pest for City. Really, uh, I think an unforeseen pest. I always remember that game under Hodgson. You must have covered the game as well, James. When um, Liverpool were like uh, in the depths of despair under Hicks and Gillette, and City pulverized Liverpool. It was like it could have been eight nil. It was it was one of the the games that have watched Liverpool. Where I thought, oh my God, they're in trouble here. You know, big trouble. Like I mean, you know, it was the start of the season where they were 
in the relegation zone at the end of October. Um, I bet Roy was still done. proud of the performance then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Herculean efforts. Not quite as good as the Northampton one, but but it, it was a really demoralising night. Obviously, that was the, that was like 2010. And I remember thinking then, God, Liverpool are going to real fight on the hands to, to, to catch up to City. Obviously, the... They, they, they did within sort of three or four years on the pitch, you know. I mean, uh, obviously, they gave them a real close run in, in 2014, as I said. But it feels more like now, you know, over a long period of time, you know, that if one doesn't win the league, the other one invariably will. And City, I think, as well, actually, you know, probably doesn't get said enough, should be grateful for the challenge from Liverpool in some ways because if they'd have won eight titles on the bounce or whatever, seven or eight titles on the bounce, the heat on them, more people in the Premier League all the fans questioning why that's going on. One thing I really hope from the weekend is that I'm actually right about football rather than the nonsense off the pitch because there's been so much unsavoury stuff. That the animosity seems to have grown to such a degree. I mean, you know, even I remember coming back from the Etihad and having to pull over back in April because, you know, Liverpool's team coach, a brick had been thrown at the window and cracked the window of the coach and you had, you know, I think there was a, a young City fan that was injured by something, a missile that had been thrown from the, the away end. You had the unsavoury tragedy chanting from the, the City fans as well. I just hope it's a day where we can reflect on the football and, and not all the other nonsense that seems to have sadly accompanied this fixture in recent years. The, the thing is as well, James, you know, from a city, you know, talking about that, like sort of the needle in the atmosphere, none of that comes from any of the, the tragedy stuff because... The reaction of Liverpool fans generally is like sort of a, a groan, almost you know, a, a exasperation with it. It doesn't ignite the crowd. The, the, the way the the way those songs are actually sort of bellowed out, it doesn't create a response really. You know, it just sort of leads to just an atmosphere that's it's actually more flat. When the, there's focus on the football pitch and what's going on and sort of anger about a tackle or something like that. That's what really ignites it, I think. You know, like a good bit of play or something like that. You know, there's plenty of things that sort of City fans could sort of target, you know, from the, you know, if, if they wanted to wind up sort of Liverpool players or whatever. But that's not something that really contributes towards a better atmosphere, I think. That's both at Anfield and, and at the Etihad. It just sort of... It actually makes it more flat, I think. So if they want to really crank it up, that there are other ways of doing it, I think. Yeah, well, hopefully all the City fans listening to this podcast will take that on board. Oh. How many of them? How many of them are the Sony? We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Liverpool's players have been on the international break, quite a few of them. Diaz reunited with his dad before making a play for Barcelona and scoring both goals for Colombia in the win of Brazil. Yeah, you got to love that. Darwin scored three goals in two games and, like, the good goals, kiddies, go and watch them. Bielsa has lit a fire on them. Like, let's just talk about them two. I did think it was quite interesting when Bielsa got the job. It seemed to me that Nunes, or Darwin, as we're calling him, is, was the player that he liked to... He spoke about him quite a lot, didn't he? You know, like, sort of seemed to target him as, as somebody who he felt he could work with and wanted to get more out of. The realisation is Luis Suarez is not going to be playing for, for Uruguay for that much longer. So they need somebody else to, to come and drag the team forward in the way that he has over a long period of time. So it seems like he's the one, you know, the, the, the chosen one. Traditionally, certainly historically, when, when you get sort of a focal point in a Uruguayan team, everybody seems to revolve around that, that, that sort of star player, don't they? With a, a lot of efforts and might behind them on the pitch and he seems to be creating that you know they've got some had some really good results Uruguay haven't they in, in the South American qualifiers beating Argentina Brazil so yeah I mean it's 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 great to see and I'd be interested I mean, is he using them differently to the way he, he's playing at Liverpool is he playing a slightly different role James you know or is he, is he is he sort of being asked to play that more central role? Centrally, I, I believe yeah yeah I mean it was I was just looking at his record five goals and three assists in six games since Bielsa took over. Certainly shows that Bielsa's getting a, a tune out of him. Yeah, I don't urge anyone to take a look at his his goals against Bolivia, especially the first one. You know, it was it was classic Nunes really in terms of just, you know, such an instinctive quality finish rather than it, it tends to be the ones that he has loads of time to think about that um that he gets he gets wrong at times. So um Su- I think Suarez was actually waiting to come on when he, he scored Nunes scored his second goal and Speaking after the game, Suarez, you know, eulogising about Nunez's development and says, you know, he sees bits of himself in Nunez. You know, he sees bits of Cavani as well, and it's just great to see it because he, you know, it's certainly not ideal preparation for a game like this when one of your star men has been playing on the other side of the world midweek. But you'd much rather that than and him than him scoring and and coming back with a spring in his step than struggling and. Klopp having to lift lift his chin off the floor. So as we sit here now, there's been no talk of of any injuries picked up over there. And yeah, I want to I want to see Nunes unleashed against City on the on the weekend. And you know, of course, we should also mention Diaz. You know, there was that great moment last week with you know the goals that he scored for Colombia and the tears of joy again from from his father Luis Manuel in the stands. You know what a what a lovely moment that was for. For the family in Bar- Barranquilla, with um, you know, just on the back of um, the family being reunited after that kidnapping ordeal. Yeah, and we can't forget Alexis McAllister, who played forty-five minutes. Well, well, he played a full ninety and forty-five minutes for Argentina. So, I mean, obviously, he's not going to get the headlines that you know the goal scorers get. But you know, he's playing for Argentina, and. Last time I looked, they're all right, them, Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the concern is, I guess, that, that, you know, when he's returned from South America, his, his performances for Liverpool haven't been very good, you know, after the international break. Um, because 
you know, the way the Argentina is set up as well, it's it's quite intensive, you know, in terms of what the manager asks them to do. You know, four four two, he sort of to either side of the two central players, McAllister. Uh, a lot of running involved, you know. Um, so I mean, but he, he plays, you know. He's, he's the first, you know, he's one of the first choice pick now. So I, I'd just be con- a little bit concerned that they've had two really, you know, testing games against Uruguay, which they lost, and then obviously went to Brazil, to Rio, and won, you know, which is the biggest, you know, game for any Argentine footballer, really. So. He, he will, he will, I'd imagine, be feeling a bit tired. I, I just wonder what Klopp does about that because, as I say, that there's been a few occasions when he's come back from international commitments and he, he hasn't been quite at it, particularly in that area of the pitch. I think if you're not quite at it against Man City, they will pull you all over the place. You know, like when you play against Man City, you've got to constantly look over your shoulder if you're a midfielder as well. And as I said, his, his, his role in the Argentinian team is, is, is quite different to what he's expected to do for Liverpool, really. So, yeah, he's the big question mark whether he plays, I think, McAllister. Mm. Yeah, well, on the other hand, like you said, si, this is as big a game as you can get for an Argentinian. And, That's true. You know, yeah. he, yeah, he'll come bouncing back, he won't need a plane, and into the biggest game in English football. I agree, yeah. I can see your point, actually, yeah, because it does... He should come back with plenty of confidence anyway. You know, you just won in Rio, haven't you? But then... There's also all the stuff that happens around the game as well, wasn't there, with the, the crowd problems? Yeah. Um, some of the Argentine players seem quite distressed by it. So, they, they, you know, they, they did really well to get a result there. And it, it, obviously, it's a bit of an interesting dynamic that they're all coming back on the same plane as well. Because mm. Klopp said before the break that they, you know, obviously joined forces with other Premier League clubs to get the South American contingent all back as, as soon as possible. So, hopefully that should help. Because I know when... Obviously, the first international break of the season when McAllister really, really struggled in that first half at Wolves, that was the time when they actually came back much later. I think he didn't get back till late Thursday. And obviously, they travelled down to Birmingham on the Friday. Hopefully, this will be different. I think McAllister has to play. I just don't think... I don't think we've seen enough from Endo to believe that he is ready for a game of this magnitude. I thought it was a real mixed bag from him against Brentford before the break. So, yeah, I think for all the talk about that number six position and, you know, it is an area of concern, not just for Saturday, but the season as a whole. But I I, I just I just think it, I hope he goes with McAllister, Zabozlai and, and Gravenberch in there if, if Gravenberch recovers, which, you know, I think he was certainly on course to do so. Talking of Zabozlai, he scored twice in Hungary's win over Montenegro before leaping into the stands to do a shot of Palinka. You know what? Actually, that's what might be an idea on Saty in the dressing room before the game. Get them all to take a shot of something fiery and alcoholic, right? That'll wake them up and get them up for the game. No, I'm seriously not advocating that. Kiddies, I'm not. But shouldn't, now, shouldn't, if they score a goal in Manchester, shouldn't they like somebody hand them a, a pint of Boddington's or something? You know. Oh, oh, <laughs> shiver, shiver. Um, but you know, it's. Suppose like 12 games unbeaten with him as captain. That's the longest unbeaten run in European international football. This boy is flying this season, isn't he? He is being absolutely brilliant for Liverpool. A revelation. I don't think anyone expects him to have the impact that he's had. He's obviously got the senior role in the Hungary team as well. You know, he's having a, a real influence on the national team. So he can't do anything wrong. I mean, I, I would say that of, of all the signings in the Premier League over the summer, he's 
had the biggest, if not you know, one of the biggest impacts at any you know at any of the clubs, not just Liverpool. So he will be crucial at City, you know, not just because of the way he uses the ball, but because of his running and his his appetite for that. It just doesn't seem to affect him, does it? He just seems. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to get tired in a game. You never see a, a bit of a drop off towards the end of the game. You never see. Maybe maybe Luton was probably a performance that wasn't quite as good. But I don't think that was necessarily down to, you know, his inability to run. That's the big thing for him. I, I just think if you want to play for Jurgen Klopp above everything else, if you play, if you're in midfield, I know the midfield's responsibilities are a bit different now. Like they can express themselves a little bit more, but you, you do have to be able to run and close down and. On that side of the game, that was just something I didn't expect when they signed him. Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, he's going to be one of the keys, obviously, at the Etihad. And just rounding up the other the other um, international duty, I mean, Cody Gakpo and Van Dijk went and played some Sunday league against Gibraltar, and Tyler Morton scored the opener and set up Harvey Elliott at Goodison Park as England's under-21s beat Northern Ireland 3-0. Well, that's an encouraging sign as well, isn't it, James? I saw the highlights from that game and, um, yeah, Harvey Elliott. Always nice to see Liverpool players lighting up Goodison. I think sometimes I think how good Harvey Elliott is goes under the radar because, yes, he's not a regular starter when the big games come along for Liverpool. But I always think whenever I've watched him this season, I've always thought he's improved them when he's come off the bench and he's given them something. He he uses the ball intelligently. He's creative. And, and certainly when you see him drop down to like under 21s, I, I think it is a timely reminder of just how good he is when he comes up against his peers, essentially, in that age group. The quality of the goals, the, the curling free kick from 20, 25 yards, and then the quality of the dinked finish for his second one. Morton for Elliott. Suddenly it's opened up here. From the best player on the pitch, his second, England's third. That is an absolute outrage. So yeah, it was. It has been an international break, thankfully, with a lot of players, you know, contributing for their countries, and that has to have a positive, I think, kick-on effect for Liverpool. And yeah, just on Tyler Morton, he seems to be having a, you know, a really good time of it at Hull on loan, getting a lot of praise for his performances. So obviously, considering the competition, it's a big ask for him to force his way back into the kind of the reckoning at Liverpool. But, you know, he's putting himself in a great position in terms of if it if his future's not at Liverpool, then, you know, there'll be plenty of other clubs sniffing around him, I'm sure, if he maintains his, his current levels. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's finish off with a, is this really as important as we're saying, you know, is this a watershed in the season, do you think? We've we discussed, haven't we, how how key these games can end up being. You know, I mentioned the, the 2018-19 season when, I mean, you, you could say, well, Liverpool dropped points in other games, but the head-to-head against City ended up counting against them. So I, I suspect come the end of the season, if, if both teams are going close, going to run each other close, you know, the games between the two teams are, are going to be pretty significant and who, who comes out on top. You can't give City a margin, can you? No, you, you can't. I mean, Liverpool certainly can't afford to come away from there with the sort of result that they had last season um, because I think if they do, it would be quite a, a, a cold dose of reality, albeit with the context of all the stuff we've spoken about. I mean, this Liverpool sort of going into the game with loads of rhythm, City doing the same, you know, you, you're getting a clearer picture of where the two sides are, are truly at. 
I don't think necessarily the result or the performance from this game, you can glean an absolute perspective of how good they are and where they're going to finish because it's 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 not in the middle of a of a season. There's only a, a, there's only how many how many occasions I suppose the first game of the season when you, you haven't played any competitive matches. You know after the first international break, second international break, third international. So we, there's the third international sort of um, break that we've had now, and then it happens again in the in the in the uh, in the second half of the season. So. You know these games only. There's not. There's only a certain number of times this fixture is played in the season, uh, and it's not necessarily reflective of how the team is generally. But I do think that it still, nevertheless, is a game that, despite all that, they can't afford to to perform badly and, and lose. I think if Liverpool perform badly and lose, then you can say, well, City is still fair, fair distance ahead of Liverpool. If the Perform well and lose, then it's a different conversation. But if they win, maybe the truth—the truth isn't absolutely always in the absolute results, of course. But I just think it'll give, it'll make, it'll have a big bearing on how the fans feel as well, and, and give people confidence going into, as we've discussed, you know, a very, very significant part of the season with lots of games and Liverpool very difficult to stop when you know everyone's on side and fully believes in what what's trying to be achieved. Yeah, and, you know, to be brilliant to swagger into December, wouldn't it, James? Where, you know, because Man United, Arsenal and Newcastle all visit Namfield. If you go in in there full of confidence, steamrolling through December, then you hit the new year and, well, possibilities are endless. Yeah, that, that's right. You want Saturday to set the tone for what is a pivotal run. I think it's 10 games in all competitions in the next... 31 days starting on, on Saturday that's, that's clearly going to test the depth and quality of, of Klopp's squad. And I think I think we will learn a lot more about just where this Liverpool team are at on Saturday because I think when they have fallen short this season, that there's kind of been a few mitigating circumstances. You know, you think of Spurs away with the, the red cards, the VAR shambles. You know, you think of Toulouse away, nine changes. It was effectively a second-string team, Liverpool you know, out out far in, in front at the top of the group, it didn't it didn't really matter. Even even looting away as flat as that performance was, you know, they squandered so many decent chances. So so this I I think, you know, coming up against City, you know, by far and away the the toughest test you can have. You know, I, I think Klopp will learn a lot more about this new look team and and we'll learn learn a lot more in terms of what is realistic for for the season ahead. Well, that's it this week from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James and Simon and you for joining us. And I'll tell you what, if ever there was a Saturday when you go tune into At The Match with James, it's this one. The international break's over. The real action's beginning. Get ready, Reds. It's going to be a wild ride. The Athletic. <laughs>